0: It was a little harsh, you know. It's still a little hard for me to hear. Please take it slow. Welcome to Starship Sofa, part of the District of Wonders network, featuring tales to terrify and far fetched fables. Everyone has a story in the District of Wonders. Come and find yours.
1: This is the Starship Sova. Everybody welcome. Hello and welcome to show 550. Hi, I'm your host, Tony C. Smith. Yes, hello everyone. 550, man. Wow, get in there. Today's story is an original to Starship Sova. Isol 8 by David Court. Yes, and guess what? It is narrated by the one and the only, Mr. Nick Cam, user in for a treat. oh now, apologies if last week you, you you listened to the show via the actual website. Didn't, uh, didn't we go to Paris and that one was like a pre-recorded show and it was kind of sung in and I forgot actually. The show came up, but I got the wrong date. So it actually went live, the actual show, but it was hidden in, I think it was the beginning of July. So you wouldn't have seen it on the front screen. And, you know, I kind of rectified that. Amy told us about that and then... A few days later, Amy told us that her link wasn't on, for, you know, to, to go to Amy's site, and the actual show wasn't linked in to that post as well. So I'm, I was all a kerfuffle. Yes, so apologies for that. I, I hopefully, I've sorted all that out. And I couldn't get a chance to because I didn't know, you know, what, what last week's, you know, Patreon was the actual figures again because we're a little bit early with the recording. But it was that beginning of the month where it just drops down and I'd, I'd heard a rumour that something to do with Patreon changing over their provider of like payment cards, you know, the, how they kind of make payments, the system they use had been changed and there was a little kind of, apparently a little kind of fluffle or a kerfuffle with it and some cards were getting declined. Well, I had, last week, 30 declines cards. And it yeah, if it's all like, you know, the little $1 ones you you take on the hit. But there were some big, in, big ones in there as well. And wow. So I had to put out an email. And I've never been on my email system for a long time, to be honest. You know what I mean? So I put out an email. And wow, did I get a response there? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read everybody out there. So this is just fantastic. We kind of, I think we were around about... What was it about 4.14 4. on Patreon, and like I say, everyone stood up, you know, to the, to the mark there. So Bart Epstein, Bart, thank you so much. James Silverstein, James, you know what I mean, just thank you. John Goodburn, thank you. John Donald Crossman, Mike Kelly, Melissa Basil, Josio Menues, R.M. Ambrose, Apacheka, Bob. Kevin Damnan and Alexei Gladlovich. Thank you, everyone, there. And I've done a little special butcher of some of them names well. Thank you so much indeed. Do you know what I mean it was just fantastic to kind of see the help coming in? And yeah, you know what I mean, it's not about massive, massive kind of donations, you know what I mean. We just want to kind of be like steady, rock steady. So just the little donations, the $2 gets you the ads, the $3, $5, perfect, do you know what I mean, absolutely perfect. So please, you know what I mean, if you can, we we certainly need the help, but I hate when it kind of all gets a bit, oh, it just gets a bit... I get a bit stressed and I sometimes feel like chucking it all in and just walking away. But lovely emails as well. Some fantastic emails, you know, just saying what, you know, how we're kind of, what we do on this show helps people. So, yeah, we're still going, but we had a little wobble. Like I say, 30 odd declines and it's just like, oh, here we go again, man. So if you can, do you know what I mean? Join the band of people who are helping out. and Like I say, a couple of dollars, man. Do you know what I mean? Just do that. Be fantastic. So we will get in to the main story, ISO 8 by David Court. And like I mentioned before there, this story is an original to Starship Sova. David Court is a short story author and novelist whose works have appeared in over a dozen venues, including Tales to Terrify, Visions from the Void, Fears Accomplice, and The Voices Within. Whilst primarily a horror writer, he also writes science fiction, poetry and satire. His newest anthology, Scenes of Mile Peril, that's a great title, I find you. Oh, David, that is very good, that one. It's due for release in autumn 2018 from Stitched Smile Publications. As well as being a writer and a member of the Horror Writers Association, David's work as a software developer and lives in, oh, dear me, Coventry. <laughs> With his wife, three cats and an ever-growing beard. David's wife once asked him if he'd write about how great she was. David replied that he would. Because he specialised in short fiction. Thin ice, my pedigree chum. Thin ice. Despite that, they are still married. And you can find David looking around the web at Twitter. uh, Fools5 or David Court. David J Court, so to say .co.uk. Now... This story is narrated by the one and only Mr Nick Cam. Nick has done almost nothing else for the past 12 months other than narrate audiobooks. He has not slept, eaten, felt a gentle touch of sun, rode a bicycle, broken eggs to make an omelette, written his film script or bought a Mark Rothcomb fridge magnet. He did, however, find time to get a couple of tattoos. There's always time for Tattoos. The books he narrated were almost exclusively crime fiction. Professionally, sci-fi still eludes him. He doesn't know why. This is just a great story and a great narration. So, the Starship Sova is very proud to present... I Saw Eight by David Court
2: Greg made mumbling noises through his mouthful of food, waving his finger in the air to gesture that he'd thought of something appropriate to say. There were a few moments of awkward silence as he hurriedly chewed on the last of the disc of flavoured cardboard this place dared to call a chicken burger. I'd hoped it was both worth the wait and suitably profound. It was neither... "'Do you know who didn't break out as a writer until he was fifth? "'Raymond Chandler,' I interrupted. "'Raymond fucking Chandler! "'Everybody always brings up Raymond Chandler! "'Do you know what the difference is between me and Raymond Chandler?' I asked, hoping Greg would understand that it wasn't a question I expected him to answer. "'Raymond Chandler wrote The Big Sleep, "'the book that frequently pops up in the best books of all time ever lists.' "'I've written—sorry, I'm writing—a shitty science fiction satire that I'll struggle to give away. "'For all you know, Chandler might have thought the big sleep was shit when he was writing it. "'He might have, but we'll never know. "'And anyway, he was unemployed at the time, probably living off his oil company executive retirement fund. "'I'm working full-time and struggling to find the time to write even a couple of hundred lousy words a night.' We could always take up, I gave Greg the look. It was a look I'd only ever given him once before, one reserved for very special occasions. We were fifteen at the time, both of us plastered with enough acne to form a complex dot-to-dot picture of the French Riviera. We'd both joined the school Dungeons and Dragons Society a few months previous because we'd heard a rumour that A girl had joined. This was patently untrue. Turns out that Justin Bayliss had just gotten into Megadeth and was now easily mistaken for a girl from the back. Our intrepid band had been questing for nigh on two months. We'd slain the dread Banshee of Gilmoreth and had bested the bloodling assassins of the Night Quorum. "'Now we were at our journey's end and facing our nemesis, the Necromancer of Rockvale. "'Everybody except for Greg, who'd been diverted by a nearby treasure chest, "'had been paralysed with a foul enchantment. "'Here in the fantasy realms of the Eighth Vale, Greg was the mighty, yet easily distracted, Rugarth the Barbarian. "'We'd scoured three dungeons, searching for the one weapon that could defeat the Necromancer.' His true name All Greg had to do was shout it out loud Rendering the foul mage's magic useless And making him vulnerable to mortal weapons Our team could then happily hack him up Grab a big recognisable piece of mage cadaver each And claim the bounty on it in our homelands I shout the necromancer's name Declared Greg triumphantly All eyes fell on him "'What name do you shout?' asked the Dungeon Master, "'already turning the scenario manual to the victory page. "'The name was written on all our character sheets in large, heavy pencil. "'We were all mouthing it silently in Greg's direction, willing him on. "'Greg glanced at his character sheet, nodded sagely at us, "'and then gave the name of an inconsequential non-player character "'we'd met two scenarios back.' Are you sure that's the name you want to say out loud? Asked the incredulous dungeon master, trying to spare all our lives. Greg suddenly panicked looked at me. I gave him the look. It made as much difference then as it did now. Back then in the eighties, Greg said the wrong name again, and we all died horribly at the hands of the necromancer. Now he blundered on and finished the sentence I'd already answered a thousand times. You could always take up the writing full time. And what am I going to eat? Rejection slips? i will be too busy using those to heat my freezing house, or to pile against the door to stop the bailiffs getting in. Oh, to be able to clone myself. I was sure that if I could just spend an extra two or three hours a day on the novel, I'd get enough momentum to properly finish it. Problem was, those extra two or three hours were taken up by everything else that wasn't work. I needed a miracle. And, inadvertently, Craig had the solution. The next evening saw the two of us sitting in the snug of the Alborossa arms, putting the world to rights over two pints of Ale Hydra. Greg suddenly remembered something, grabbing a crumpled piece of paper from his bag and handing it to me with the enthusiasm of a puppy dropping a ball at his master's feet. It was on the office notice board. It's the answer to all your problems, he proudly announced. "'Unless the paper was a crinkly cheque for several million pounds, I sincerely doubted that.' "'I carefully unfolded the A4 sheet, which had been subjected to the hidden torments lying in the bottom of Greg's workbag. "'An assortment of crumbs, dirt and fluff fell from their respective paper-fold prisons. "'I blinked at the gaudy, haphazard clipart, forcing myself to squint past the font-choice.' "'I couldn't feel Greg staring at me as I read the first couple of lines. "'It appeared to be some nonsense about a clinical trial taking place "'for a product called Isol8. "'It sounded quite promising at the start, "'a means of relaxing and extending your free time, "'but by line three it had gone into the realms of science fiction. "'It's some kind of con,' I said, "'trying to hand him the sheet of paper back.' He refused it. Why? It sounded spot-on to me. For one, it's written in Comic Sans. That doesn't scream credibility to me. It's a font basically weaponised to irritate anybody with an IQ higher than the shoe size. And I fail to see how sticking myself in virtual reality is going to make. I trace my finger along a line of text on the sheet, reading it aloud in a nerdy voice. Your working hours markedly more productive, whilst having no detrimental effect on the other aspects of your life. That sounds great, though, right? Also, completely impossible. You could always go along. You're not coming along yourself. Strictly limited numbers, mate. And I can't really think of any reason I'd need it for. I'm not sure of free time. "'And I thought you'd enjoy finding out it's a huge con "'and it giving you something to take the piss out of me about. "'You honestly think I'm that shallow "'that I'd go solely to have ammo to wind you up over? "'If you'd just like to fill in the name badge and this questionnaire, "'we can see whether you're appropriate for the trial. "'Despite the fact she'd gone through the process a hundred times "'since I joined the queue,' Smile, hand over the questionnaire and a blank name badge, deliver the line. Her enthusiasm hadn't faltered in the slightest. Her smile looked almost genuine. I was tempted to make up a false silly name for the badge. Ivor E. Towers, but chickened out last minute. I also answered the questionnaire with more honesty than I'd originally intended. For what I still suspected was a con. Everybody was so bloody nice and sincere. The questions were mostly straightforward enough. How many hours did I work? How much free time did I have outside of work hours? Hobbies? Phobias? I handed it in, and the receptionist, still infectiously enthusiastic and happy, placed it on a shelf of other completed entries behind her. "'There are some drinks and snacks next door, if you'd like to go through,' she said, gesturing to a door which I'd seen a fair few people enter and leave." And we'll call you through if you're chosen. I still wasn't entirely convinced this wasn't a front for Scientology recruitment, but I'd at least deprive them of a sizeable quantity of hobnobs and herbal teas. That had hit them where it hurts. Being British, once laden with tea and chocolate digestives, I naturally gravitated to the part of the room that was furthest away from anybody else. "'We Brits have an unerring knack of being able to mathematically calculate the optimum position in any location "'that will keep us as far away as possible from other human beings. "'There's a certain irony in finding that skill in a culture genetically predisposed from birth "'to stand next to each other in queues as often as possible.' I'd barely managed to finish my third mini-pack of biscuits when they called my name, ushering me through into a small theatre with no more than two dozen seats. A small projector was shining the ISO-8 logo onto a screen that took up the far wall of the room. A small white wooden lectern sat in front of it. I'd just begun the preliminary calculations of working out where to sit that wouldn't put me near any stranger's. "'but the choice was taken out of my hands "'as I was led to a seat bearing a sheet of A4 paper "'with my name handwritten on it in thick black marker pen. "'One by one, people filed into the room, "'male, female, black, white, young, old. "'When the last of the seats were filled, "'a tall, imposing figure stepped into the room. "'She was about my age, albeit a good head taller, "'and carried herself with an air of authority.' She walked over to the lectern and stood behind it, surveying the room. I swear her eyes lingered on me more than they did anybody else in the room. "'I'm Dr. Susan Levy,' she declared, "'and you have all been chosen, should you wish to take part, "'for the first United Kingdom trials of isol Eight. The lighting in the room dimmed as the logo faded from the screen and was replaced by a cartoon of a man sitting in a cubicle in an office. In the bustle of twenty-first century life, a calming yet authoritative voice announced through a variety of speakers set into the ceiling. It's becoming increasingly difficult to master that work-life balance. I recognised but couldn't quite place the voice. Impending deadlines, too many commitments, they all add up. As the voice spoke, the screen showed speeded-up footage of the man in the cubicle waking up, having his breakfast, going to work, sitting in a cubicle with an ever-growing in-tray, going home, going to bed. This was repeating over and over, the orchestral soundtrack becoming increasingly discordant. By the twentieth or so loop, the pile of paper in the man's intray was as tall as he was, teetering precariously. The soundtrack suddenly stopped as the man screamed. But now, designed for frenetic twenty-first century lifestyles, we have the solution. It was Terence Stamp. That's who it was. That gave this whole setup an air of believability. But he didn't come cheap. The man was suddenly alone in a blank white space, the grey watermark of the ISOL eight logo fading in behind him. Grass appeared at his feet, and he sat on it and smiled. A butterfly flitted about lazily. ISOL eight. The cartoon was replaced by video footage showing a young woman in a doctor's office. The doctor was going through some papers with her, and the two were smiling. The legend who had played Zod in The Awesome Superman two and Chancellor Valorum in Considerably Less Awesome Phantom Menace continued his narration. With a simple and painless and reversible procedure, the isolate port is wired into your nervous system. The young woman was now at home, sitting alone on a comfortable armchair in one of those sitting rooms you see on television that are too tidy to have ever been lived in. She was holding a small white plastic glowing snub-nosed pyramid in the palm of one of her hands. The pyramid had the Isol8 logo etched in black on every surface and a single black button on the top. "'And when you want some time just to yourself, you're just a button, press away.' The woman's surroundings faded into whiteness, and she was standing in an empty void— "'Here was Terence again. "'This is your place. "'As empty or as full as you see fit. "'A virtual realm for you and you alone. "'With inexpensive in-realm transactions, "'you can customize it as you see fit. "'It's completely removed from the real world. "'There'll be no distractions from phone calls, emails.' Your realm is utterly remote. The woman's surroundings shifted from a tranquil-looking forest to an exotic desert oasis to a medieval banqueting hall. The woman turned slowly on the spot, eyes closed, smiling. It's a place for relaxing, for reflecting, for spending as long as you like in. And the beauty is... The image shifted back to the woman in her sitting room, slowly opening her eyes, visibly relaxed. When you return to the real world, only seconds have passed. The screen now showed the white pyramid rotating slowly on the spot, the Isol 8 logo prominent. The orchestral music moved to a swell, and Terence had the last words before the screen switched off and the lighting in the theatre came back up. My Soul 8 Tune in to you One of Dr. Levy's aides was handing out brochures to those assembled. It looked like an expensive lifestyle magazine full of sickeningly pretentious inspiration quotes in white italics. Still, I had to admit to being intrigued. Are there any questions? she asked, and an array of hands shot skywards. I was a little astonished to see that mine was one of them. She turned to face me, squinting over the top of her thin-framed spectacles to read my name badge. She pronounced it correctly first time, which was somewhat of a surprise. ''How can you spend as long as you like in there?'' I asked, intrigued by the technology. ''How does that work?'' ''The human mind,'' she began, as though reciting from a memorised script. "'When not burdened by all that messy and cumbersome bodily control, "'is an incredibly powerful processor. "'Because it's a direct neural interface, "'your brain is processing information thousands of times quicker "'than it ordinarily would. "'The figure varies slightly between people, "'but on average you'll get eight hours in isolate per second of real time.' "'That was met by a flurry of impressed murmurs.' I noticed a few hands go down, all presumably from people who'd had the exact same question I'd had. At the video I mentioned, microtransactions. Asked another, How much does this all cost? That was exactly the sort of cynical question I should have asked. This is a local trial, so the eight equipment is free. You'll need to go to one of our designated private hospitals for the surgery, but that'll be subsidised. The brochure details the prices of the customization options available to you, but they're all easily affordable microtransactions. Most of the basic options are free, anyhow, but you can have the Isol 8 up and running exactly as you'd like it for the price of a couple of cups of good coffee. What does the surgery entail?' It's a minor procedure that will take about 20 minutes to complete. A nanofilament will be inserted into the nape of your neck and that'll be connected to a small metallic tattoo that'll act as the wireless interface. There will be some residual bruising but no more discomfort than that. It's the sort of thing you could do in your lunch break. What about fatigue? Won't you just get exhausted by potentially adding so many hours to your day? One of the key points of Isolate is that when you're in your realm, your brain thinks that you're asleep. You could spend ten hours in there, but when you come out, you'll be completely relaxed. When we say free time, we genuinely mean that it's free. My mind was abuzz with the possibilities. I could finally get that book finished. My realm could be my writing domain. I wouldn't even need any microtransactions to customise it. A table, a chair, and a typewriter or word processor would be all I needed. The fewer distractions, the better. My customary cynicism was oddly disengaged, incapable of preventing me from staring firmly into the gaping maw of this particular gift horse. "'Apart from a brief sarcastic comment about the length of the hefty terms and conditions document "'that was briefly scanned before being signed, they had me hook, line and sinker. "'Even the ordinarily terrifying medical disclaimer documents were completely with nary an alarm bell going off. "'My singular focus was on that virtual writing retreat. "'Greg and I had been sitting in the bar of the Albarossa in silence for a good half an hour.' Me lost in thought, him stuck on the crossword, before he broke the silence. "'You can thank me any time you like, you know,' said Greg, through a mouthful of Guinness foam. I stared back at him quizzically. "'For telling you about isolate,' he interjected, clearly recognising the confused look on my face. "'Oh, I probably would have heard about it anyway. Something like this will be huge.' He went back to nursing his drink, muttering something under his breath. I looked down at my barely-touched lager, realising that I didn't really feel like drinking after all. I was too excited about the potential of isolate. And I'd been thinking about it all night. "'I'm going to make a move,' I said, standing up and collecting my things. "'I'm with the doctor's first thing before I go to work. "'I'll let you know how it goes.' Greg gave a half-hearted wave goodbye and staggered over to the jukebox, fumbling with a handful of small change. The process was, as Dr. Levy had promised, painless. I'd always toyed with the idea of getting a tattoo. i just never imagined that my first ever one would be a nanofilament-laden corporate logo. After the process was complete... "'I was handed a surprisingly lightweight polythene-sealed and logoed white box "'that contained my customized isolate unit. "'Work dragged on that day. "'Such was my excitement at getting the unit home to try it out. "'Sitting in my kitchen, I carefully opened the box "'and removed the white pyramid from its polystyrene cocoon, "'placing it on the counter.' The only other things in the box were a USB cable for charging the device and a small quick-start guide. "'Your device is fully charged and ready to use,' it proudly boasted. A small, unnecessary series of iconic diagrams showed a man, the same cartoon figure from the promotional videos, sitting in a comfortable chair and pressing the button on the pyramid's flat top. I carried the small device through to my sitting room, placing it on the wide arm of my favourite chair. Sitting back and settling against the shifting black leather, I pressed the button. The pyramid shone with a strobing inner light, and an impressive transition effect saw a rectangle of white in the centre of my vision grow until it surrounded me. The velvety tones of Terence Stamp welcomed me to Iso Eight. THE VOID An infinite white plane of uniform whiteness, as vacant and as empty as a politician's promise. The experience was slightly disconcerting. I had physical form, but despite the nothingness I was not falling. I was simply suspended there. I could see the reason for the eh? questionnaires now. This would be hell for an agoraphobic... A grid of icons suddenly rushed towards me with the velocity of a subway train, screeching to a sudden halt mere inches from me. Each icon was a flag, and Terence urged me to choose one for my chosen language setting. Craning my neck to look at the array of options provided, I reluctantly chose the American flag in the absence of a Union Jack. As I stared at it, it merrily rotated for a few moments before the icons whooshed away into the infinite distance as quickly as they'd arrived. The next series of options talked me through connecting my ISOL 8 account to PayPal, and Terrence Stamp sounded almost giddy with excitement in letting me know everything had been connected correctly and that I was free to proceed. I looked down at my physical form, A basic humanoid wireframe shape, the same colour as the world that surrounded me, only visible because of the thick black outline that surrounded me. I remembered from the brochure that the customization options didn't only extend to my bottle universe, but also to my own crude avatar. It was too empty here. I had to create something. I wonder if this is how God felt in those early days.' "'although in this case the team at ISOL 8 had created light for me. "'The neural interface worked like a charm. "'I only had to think of terrain, customization, "'and a list of options appeared on a panel that floated in front of me. "'Some were free, but the price increased accordingly "'the more elaborate and interesting they got. "'I started simple, choosing a grass-floor template.' Even something as straightforward as this had a list of tweaks and options. Grass colour, length, something called real field trademark, that added a couple of pounds to the price. But I chose the default. Upon selecting it, an infinite plane of grass extended as far as the eye could see in every direction. I was suspended in space no longer, now standing on the grass, which I could actually feel against my polygon toes. I crouched down to examine it closer, finding a repeated pattern of small, pixelated green blades. I tentatively extended a wireframe finger and could feel the touch of each rubbery and smooth. I spent a few moments walking, feeling the physical, albeit slightly unreal, sensation of movement and the grass beneath my feet. It felt as though I could walk as far as I wanted in any direction— and the landscape would remain unchanged. From the array of skyscapes available, including the skies of alien or fictional worlds, I opted for a simple, and more importantly free, earth sky, ticking the option for real-time day-night transitions. The evening sky appeared, a beautiful shade of black and dark blue gradients pinpricked by vivid white stars. Now, mostly immersed in darkness, with barely adequate lighting coming from the aforementioned stars and a brilliant white crescent moon, I selected and directed a street lamp. It looked somewhat out of place, something that would have been more at home on a roadside and not on a grass plain, but served its purpose, bathing the area around me in a warm luminescence. It didn't really fit in with the minimalist theme I'd accidentally given the place— but it was free. I then chose a simple building, a rectangular flat roofed block with a door and windows. I opted for a warm red brick skin for my little construct, wandering around its walls and brushing my fingers against the coarse clay and mortar. I stepped inside, flicking the light switch just inside the door. I spent the next half hour decorating this empty chamber first lining the brick walls with some plain wallpaper and placing a dark brown thick carpet beneath my feet. I set a single table in the room's centre and then looked through the menus for a suitable tool on which to continue my masterpiece. Despite the free word processors available, I spent the lofty sum of seventy-nine pence on an antique typewriter. It was a beautiful silver and black thing, possessing a greater level of detail and realism than anything else that populated my tiny world, me included. The record player I set in the corner of the room was free, but the music was not. I was assured from the menu that when the Isol8 software went properly live, I'd be able to link it to my Spotify account. But for the time being, I'd have to purchase music separately. It was a limited selection, but luckily adequate I chose Bitches Brew by Miles Davis the same album I used to accompany my writing at home in some weird way it felt like the link between that reality and this one a potent nexus to keep me grounded as the haunting strains of Pharaoh's dance filled the room I smiled at this little dominion I'd created Another seventy-nine pence were spent on a decent leather office chair, even though I doubted it was possible to get back strain from a virtual world, it seemed like a worthwhile investment. It was only as I sat on it, pulling myself closer to the typewriter and the pile of paper that came with it, I came across my first hurdle— in the real world, I'd written sixty or so pages of Nova's Gambit, my would-be impending science fiction epic, and for every page of the novel, there were three pages of scribbled, handwritten notes. How the fuck would I get them here? A quick call to a very patient gentleman at Isolate Customer Services next morning taught me through the process. He said his name was David, but he spoke with a thick Indian accent, so I doubted the honesty of that statement. There was a small fee to open what they called a shared document account. These microtransactions were certainly adding up. But it would be possible to upload documents from the real world into a folder I could access from my isolate realm. The more money I spent, the larger the potential storage space of the shared folder. Despite my promises to myself that I wouldn't allow ISO 8 to interfere with my day job, much of that morning was spent scanning in my notes and manuscript on my work's equipment, hiding my activities from the prying eyes of my inquisitive boss, who'd already been asking me questions about my new tattoo. I couldn't finish work quickly enough wolfing down my evening meal with such ferocity that I could feel the pains of indigestion even in my virtual realm. My manuscript and notes were there waiting for me upon my arrival, and the groundbreaking jazz of Miles Davis accompanied me through a productive three and a half thousand words of story. As I've said previously, I'm a science fiction writer, "'was now using technology that was almost beyond the realms "'of anything I'd even considered possible. "'If I were writing about this kind of tech in a short story or novel, "'now would be the point I'd start dropping hints "'about how there was a sinister side to it. "'Perhaps I Eight were using their apparent benevolence "'as a cover to harvest people's brainwaves "'or to use the hardware for some devious identity theft scenario.' Perhaps the protagonist, me in this case, would start encountering previously unexpected side effects from the use of isolate equipment. Perhaps I'd become addicted, ending up as a gibbering wreck unable to distinguish the real world from the virtual one. Perhaps my employer would start to notice a change in my personality, an obsessive or short-tempered side to me. I'd be fired, and I'd retreat to my virtual realm, becoming ever more separated from reality. Maybe I'd encounter another being in that empty realm, an electronic ghost of somebody whose physical form had died, and they'd become trapped in that digital limbo. Or even worse, I'd gone insane, believing that there was a ghost in there. Uh, the real world, as it turned out, even with this fancy gizmo, remained equally as mundane. As with most corporations, the most ominous aspect to Isol 8 was their love for money, resulting in a somewhat lengthier credit card bill for me than usual, with an array of assorted 79-pence transactions dotted throughout. Uh, and one pence one. "'I'd fancied a nicer carpet.' "'I'd banked a fiver's worth of profit on the quiz machine "'when Greg appeared behind me, jabbing at the button wrongly, "'declaring Jerry Halliwell to be a member of All Saints "'and losing me the lot. "'Sorry, mate,' he half-heartedly apologised, "'handing me my three-quarters of a pint of lager. "'It looked like he'd spilled most of it between here and the bar.' As we sat ourselves down, he opened his packet of Boar Wells Pork Scratchings and laid it splayed on the table like some manner of porcine sacrifice, spilling most of the contents on the floor. Unfazed, he leaned in to me conspiratorially. So, when you're going to introduce me to this ain't lot, then? It's a close trial, Greg. I don't think it works like that. Tina and Reaper Graphics says they've opened it up. "'She signed up Bill from procurement "'and he's having the surgery tomorrow.' "'Come to mention it, "'there had been something in the Isolate newsletter "'about introducing friends. "'Truth be told, I hadn't paid it that much attention. "'What would you use Isolate for?' "'It'd be wasted on him. "'Within twenty minutes, his Isolate realm "'would be a gaudy mess of mismatched architecture "'and pop-up boxes.' And, knowing his self-control, he'd have spent his month's wages on in-realm tat by the end of the first week, and I'd have to buy all the drinks. I've always fancied relearning the guitar, but I've never had the time or the space to practice. It'd be perfect for that. Re-learn? That implies you knew how to play in the first place. I saw your first band back in the early nineties, remember? You sounded like a game loader on the ZX Spectrum. I'd stick to the triangle, mate. Greg sat back in his chair, brow furrowed. He shook his head as though he'd thought of something to say, but had then decided against it. However, just as he started to relax, he blurted out regardless. Do you know what, mate? Fuck you. Fuck you. Don't forget who it was who told you about isolate. And here you are, not wanting to do the same back. Greg occasionally got a bee in his bonnet, but "'didn't usually need much placating to see reason. "'Oh, come on now, mate. "'You just got me a flyer from the office notice board. "'Hardly a Herculean F, eh?' "'Far from calming down, Craig got to his feet. "'Don't call me me, mate. "'I'm the one who had to listen to all your shitty ideas "'and read through your equally shitty stories, you know.' The ones where you told me to be honest until I told you anything I didn't like about them and you told me that was because the ideas had gone over my head. All I've ever gotten back from you is fucking sarcasm and arrogance. Oh, but fuck off, Greg. You told me you liked reading them. Only because you fucking flounce off if I tell you otherwise. So what if I was a shitty musician? You were a shitty writer too, by helps helped you. And you won't even do me the same bastard favour back. He turned on his heels and headed back towards the bar. Prick. He'd soon come back when he realised he'd left his pork scratchings. Any time soon. Any time now. Fuck it, I'd have him. The real world became a means to earn money, refuel myself and empty my bowels. Without that annoying prick Greg and his obsession with going to the pub and socialising, I threw myself into finishing the novel. As isolate grew more popular, the default transaction price rose from 79 pence to 89 pence. But it was still a literal small price to pay. I'd spent some money on improving the landscape outside my isolate house. It was nice to have a break from the writing and wander along the new babbling stream I'd had installed, watching the coy carp frolic beneath the lapping waters with realistic true-to-life liquid physics. Trademark. Between chapters I'd often stare into the distance at my adapted Mount Rushmore. All but one of the faces were characters from Nova's Gambit, "'Washington's head replaced with my own sixty-foot-tall gurning mush. "'I'd taken to using the skies above the house as a scratch-pad for my notes, "'a new feature they'd introduced that I'd initially childishly abused "'by having Fuck Greg plastered up there in font size "'big enough to render each letter the size of a small moon. "'I'd written it in Comic Sans. "'It seemed appropriate.' With perfect timing, I'd written The End, just as the last track, Sanctuary, drew to a triumphant close on Bitch's Brew. It was complete. All 180,000 words of it. From first draft to finished manuscript, hundreds of man-hours of work in my isolate realm, taking up just a few minutes of my life in the real world. I couldn't have been happier with it now. With all this time, I perfected it. Every line of dialogue was snappy and critical to the plot. Every single moment was carefully balanced and integral to the story. It was, truth be told, fucking great. I'd keep my isolate realm, I decided. The subscription was cheap enough to keep going, and I'd been needing it for the inevitable sequels. The publishers would be squabbling over this one, I had no doubt. Only the shared folder didn't seem to have an upload option. There didn't seem to be a way to get this hefty document back into the real world. That nice man from customer services would help. I'd once experimented with my isolate environmental settings by temporarily shifting the location of my realm to their equivalent of the Antarctic. That environmental shift had lasted an entire eighteen seconds before I'd selected Undo. It was fucking freezing, and I was feeling that same way now. It was Martin on the phone this time, a thick-accented Pakistani it's all in the terms and conditions sir. Isolate is designed as a relaxing environment for contemplation and it clearly states in both paragraphs 1192 and 2204 that it's not to be used for creative endeavors. Yeah, yeah, I got that much. But let's just say that I did use it for creative endeavors. Page 162. Your brain waves pass through our proprietary isolate software. Any creative works created using our bespoke toolset are the intellectual property of the isolate corporation. But I wrote a book. I'm afraid it's our book now, sir. You did agree to our terms and conditions that explicitly stated that. I can remember what I wrote. I'll just do it again in the real world. There was a moment of silence from Martin, thoughtful contemplation, before he delivered that chilling, chilling, calculated line. We'll sue, sir. I'm afraid it's our book now. Short of launching a tirade of obscenities at the cool-as-a-cucumber martin, I was suddenly lost for words, and the irony of having lost my actual words to Isol8 was not lost on me. But they're all my ideas, everything in it. Years of work. This is so unfair. Can't suddenly say they're yours because of a hidden clause buried away in a 900-page document? We can, sir. That's precisely what I'm doing. And it was mentioned four times, and the document in question is only 878 pages in length. But there'll be other writers, poets, artists, musicians, lots of others who've spent hundreds of hours inside Isolate creating... stuff. I hope not for their sake, sir. "'If they are, they're breaking their terms and conditions. "'You... you can't do this! "'I'm the writer! It's all mine! "'I had sequels planned. "'Is there nothing you could do to help me?' "'There was a pause, as though Martin was leafing through his bumper corporate guide "'to being an obnoxious wanker, for the precise entry "'explaining how he could be as cutting as he possibly could.' As a goodwill gesture, sir, we'll refund your last month of transactions. It's the least we can do. You've got that right, Martin. You've got that right. Nova's Gambit caused a huge bidding war between Fox and Paramount before it was even released as a book. Fucking Tom Cruise was attached to the project before anybody had read a bastard word of it, like a fragmented turd hanging from a dog's ass. Isolate got some young and confident model to do the promotional rounds all cheekbones and stubble. To add insult to injury, the fake name they gave him was an anagram of mine. The film had its premiere tonight, and the bastards at Isolate have, as a complimentary gesture and final parting fuck you, sent me two tickets. There are rumours they're expanding Isolate in the next couple of weeks for a secondary market. They're going to sell it to old wealthy people as a virtual retirement home, so they can live on for the equivalent of centuries. There's some small solace in that I'm not the only creative that Isolate's screwed over, "'Misery loves company, after all. "'But it turned out that none of us had a leg to stand on. "'That one checkbox I have read, understood and accept "'all the conditions fucked us all royally. "'They lost a lot of creatives from their user base that way, "'but they've already demonstrated that Isolate "'can make money for them in a lot of other ways. "'Turns out they've been just as creative.' The irony was that they'd earned enough money from our works combined to afford all the lawyers they wanted to protect them from us. Possibly a few judges and politicians along the way as well, and their lawyers probably used isolate themselves to spend all the time they needed making any case against them watertight. If I was a cynical man, I'd suspect that that was their ploy all along. I'm sitting there, cradling the tickets in my hands wondering where it all went wrong there's at least one. one thing I can correct Greg answers the phone after a couple of rings and I can hear him jabbing at his phone's buttons randomly shouting at nothing eventually he sorts it out long time, mate, he says calmer than I could have hoped it has been too long I reply, genuinely happy that we're talking again. I've got some tickets for that Nova's Gambit film, mate. Fancy joining me? That'd be great. Pub after.
1: Pub after. And there you go. David, what can I say? Thank you so much for letting Starship over have that story. That is just fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And Nick... Nicholas, you little ting guy. Pulled it out again. <laughs> Pulled it out again. You're always pulling it out. Oh, you get wrong for that. <laughs> yes, thank you so much, gents. Thank you so much indeed. So that is the end of the show. Like I say, a little bit of a ruckus there with the, the Patreon again, once again, it never runs smooth. Come over and help us out, man. Honestly, just help out. That would be fantastic. Until next week, just like I say, good night from me.
0: Transmissions, I'm hooning, waiting to be found, and I'm building rockets, I'm pointing them to the moon. But the work is going slowly; it won't get to you anytime soon. Can you reach me? Is my signal getting through? Turn on your radio. I wanna talk to you. Thank you